This morning, let's take our Bibles together. We're going to go in just a moment to Acts chapter number two. We're continuing our series with community as we launched this new teaching series last week. Today is Vision Sunday. It means a little bit here in this morning service. Tonight, we'll give some more details of some of the things that we're speaking of today, give a little more specifics. We'll also have uh, all of ministries uh, that are being looked at to being touched and affected in this new year. And so we'll share more of that information tonight in our service. But we put into motion the theme for the new year, while at the same time we unveil the goals and purpose that God has laid on our heart uh, for our ministry moving forward together. As a church, a church that is functioning without purpose has the danger of floundering and eventually dying off. And so we definitely want to always function with purpose that we gain from the Bible, uh, goals and vision that we gain from the Lord's leading, and we want to keep that in front of our church family and be accountable for that. So the church that desires to make a lasting impact is one that is going to be actively involved in seeking God's face about what needs to be done. As we look at a community surrounding us, there is a culture, a community that is quickly changing, always adapting. And as a church body, although the gospel message never changes, the method by which the gospel is given to a community and within the church is always looking to see what needs to happen to be most effective. And so with that, a vision sometimes means that things are done a little bit different than maybe 10 years ago, 15 years ago. I listened to a podcast this past week by Tom Rayner, and he compared the church from 2008 to 2018 and how ministries are so different just in that 10-year span. And then as a church, you're looking down the road, five years, 10 years, 15 years down the road. How will we continue to make an impact with the gospel, changing lives with the love of Jesus Christ? Now, I understand some of you are looking 10 years down the road. You're just going to be thankful if you're still walking. Some of you will be like, 10 years down the road, I think I'd like to be in glory 10 years from now. But uh, there are other things by which we have to think through of even just 10 months down the road and how we will work and function as a church. And I wholeheartedly believe that when God called me here to Highlands Baptist, I'm going into my third year of lead pastoring here, and I knew that when he called me here, it was not to be a part of a ministry that we were going to put it in neutral and just maintain, but we were going to cast vision, we were going to be actively pursuing what God had in store for us. And so we collectively, together as a church, we purpose in our heart to do that. And that takes work, it takes effort, it takes prayer, it takes discipline, it takes motivation, and it takes us anticipating to see what God will do. A growing church has to be intentional about what they are doing, or, and they have to be prepared. Someone once said that preparation is essential to any successful endeavor. You know that even in your personal lives, that preparation is key before a long trip. You lay out the plans of your itinerary and where you're stopping and how you're getting there and what the money looks like and what you'll spend and who you'll see and what you will do. And there's a lot of preparation in order to make a successful endeavor. But then also a growing church is willing to transition. Transition is so key. It's crucial for a growing ministry. We've been a part of transitions for the last several years some of you with your Sunday school class, connection class, you've moved from one room, one location to another. That's a growing church that's always in transition. Some of you, you have somebody else sitting in your pew that you sat in for 10 years. And that's a part of transition. 
because you're looking and saying, you know what, I really don't own that seat. But that was really the place I always liked to sit. But it's transition. Some of you are looking at some other things when you pull into property and you remember the grassy area that used to be there. Or some of you, even way back, you remember the two modular buildings that were breaking down when you would just touch it. And you remember that being over there. And those have transitioned out. We've got a new building there. The offices will be moved over. There's a lot of things that are happening. The worship service has been in transition for several years. The worship focus has been given and drawn to God. We constantly pray each time, Lord, free us from the distractions that will cause us to take our mind and focus off of you. Help us to be in tune with what is being sung. Sometimes we don't know the tune very well. We're not comfortable with the tune yet. We're still trying to learn it. I sat down there this morning and I just stood there for a moment and said, God, help me to see the truths of the lyrics and the doctrine that is being taught and allow me to worship you through this song. It was sometimes I missed the note. I was like, oh, I was supposed to cut off there. I hope nobody heard me. Or I was supposed to come in. And that's okay. Because it's not about me. It's about my attention to God. So a growing church is always in transition. A preparation is essential to a successful endeavor. And so our new teaching series which we launched last week, Community, Making a Lasting Impact. It, uh, it's going to guide us for four weeks into some very crucial areas that are, we need to understand, wrap our heart and mind around of how God wants to make an impact through us in key areas. Last week, we talked about unity, unity within the church. If we're not unified within the church, we will not make the right lasting impact. We just won't. We could make an impact, and it could be a pretty negative impact. We could have write-ups in the paper. We could be in the news. We could be that church that's fighting. We could be the church that's split right down the middle. But that's not us. That's not Highlands. Highlands is unified, pursuing after the same goal with the same gospel, the same name of Jesus Christ, and we've got to make an impact with unity. Next week, we're going to look at my favorite word, connection. How do we make an impact through connection? And what we're going to find out is how the local church, the early church, did it in Acts 2, was that it was not us for and no more. It was not our way or the highway. What the early church realized was their connection was not just in the four walls. They didn't have the four walls of the structure that we meet in today. But they were going from house to house. They were making an impact by connecting with people. And then in a few weeks, the week after our week of renewal with Morris Gleiser, on that Sunday, we'll look at a topic of commitment. How do we take what we're learning, what we need to apply, and commit ourselves to making a lasting impact? And so you, purposely led by God to be a part of Highlands, whether you're a member that's been here a long time or one of our new members within the last couple of years, or maybe a pew setter that's from the north and you're just here to be able to be refreshed week by week in God's word and to, to fellowship and to connect with one another. Or maybe you're just someone that continues to come and you're soaking it in. Whatever the description of you, it's taking all of us and saying, I want to be committed. I want to be committed to the gospel. I want to be committed to the mission. I want to be committed to what God has called me to do. And that means you're going to actively take pursuit and make a difference and make an impact. So our theme is a word that I've used over and over again already. You see it on the uh, banner here. The theme for this year is impact. Love God, love people. Well, love God, love people has gone back till 2013. 
The beginning of 2013, we launched the whole purpose statement for our ministry, Love God, Love People, as you see on the banners. We dissected it in two different ways for each one. We love God through worship and through discipleship. So this year, as we look at making an impact, an impact within our church, an impact in our community, an impact with world missions, an impact with our giving, an impact with our serving, an impact with our learning, and an impact with our growing. If we're certainly going to make that impact, it starts with the greatest commandment of all, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind. And how do I do that? I do it through worshiping him, not just Sunday morning collectively together, but that I worship him with my life, driving down the highway, working out at the gym, or working through my day, handling my kids, dealing with my teenagers, teaching my class, doing whatever it is that God has equipped me for. It's saying that I'm going to worship God. Then also through discipleship. I want to make an impact through discipleship. We certainly want everybody who's a part of Highlands Baptist Church to be a part of discipleship, meaning that you're being poured into in order for you to pour into somebody else. If the life came to a subtle end for you, a sudden end, how would you be remembered with the impact that you made in people's lives? Would you be able to say that you poured into other people? Or are you just a sponge that has to take and take and take from everybody else? Aren't you ready to be squeezed and to pour into somebody else in your life? So love God through worship, through discipleship, make an impact in that way. And then through loving people. He said the second is like unto this, love your neighbor as yourself. I tell you what, I look across the crowd and I see people who love themselves. I love myself. I took pretty good care of myself this morning. Had some bacon and eggs and I got a shower, cleaned up, shaved, got dressed, got ready, put some squirt of smelly stuff so that nobody would think I stunk and I've been taking care of myself. And you know what? I've been avoiding all of you germs. I haven't shaken anybody's hand. I'm doing this and this and this because I love myself. I don't want the flu bug. I hear it's awful. The same with you. So he said, love your neighbor as yourself. Paul would write to the church at Philippi, he said, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other even better than themselves. So how do I love people? How do I truly make an impact by loving people? Well, we do that through loving, through ministry. We want everybody who's a part of Highlands to be involved in ministry. We just had a lesson in Discover Highlands about you taking your spiritual gifts and how God has shaped you and plugging into his work. And why do we do that? The purpose of ministry is not so that people think, man, he's very talented. Man, she's a go-getter. Wow, it's amazing. We could not function without them. That's not the purpose of our ministry. The purpose of our personal ministries is to serve God, to glorify him, and then to be a blessing to others. To be a blessing to other believers, as well as to make an impact in non-believers. And so how has God shaped me and equipped me? I want to find that out, and I want to make an impact of being involved in his ministry. But then, church, let's remember that the church is not these four walls and roof above our head, but we are the church that go out of these doors and live in a community. And so as the church, how do I love people? I do it through my community. How will I personally make an impact this year? in my community. Your community is your sphere of influence. 
And I look at all of our faces and I know that you and this side are going to be in different places than you in the middle and in these people over here. You're all going to be in different places this week. And you're going to interact with different people at restaurants and at the oil change place and getting your hair cut and at the laundry ma- laundromat and at different places, at school, car line, and volunteering at your kid's school. All of this is going to happen with interaction. So how will I use how God has equipped me to make an impact in my sphere of influence? So this is vital to, to study. It's important to learn about. And I love the fact that we can study the early church because the early church gives us a prime example of making an impact. So Acts chapter number two, would you turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter two? And we're gonna go for the next two weeks through these last several verses of Acts chapter two. This morning, we're gonna study verse 36 through 42. And then next week, we're gonna dig into verse 42 again. And we'll work through verse number 47. So this week, though, let's start in verse number 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. That was Peter. Peter's preaching. He's concluding his message. And he's put a final part there at verse number 36. Then in verse 37, now they that heard this, they were pricked in their heart and they said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? The question becomes, what do we do with this information and and this thought that's going on in our heart and mind? They were under great conviction. In verse 38, Peter says unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourself from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received this word, they were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Today we're going to look at the church's impact, making a lasting impact, community, and we launch with this thought, the church's impact. Father, we need your guidance through this time together. There's a lot of information that we want to study today, and there's also a lot of vision that we want to cast. And so keep us on target and help us to communicate clearly. Father, work in our hearts. Lord, bring us a sense of excitement, but also conviction. Bring us to a place of decision. Help us to be different and changed because of our meeting together today. In Jesus' name, amen. So here, when we step into chapter number two, we step into a very exciting time in the early church. The book of Acts, the disciples in chapter number one, they are gathered among what is estimated 120 believers in the upper room. We'll find that in chapter one, verse number 15. They've been there a while. They're anticipating the arrival of the Holy Spirit, just as Jesus has promised. And in chapter 1, verse 4 and 8, they are eagerly awaiting as, the, or as Jesus ascended to heaven. In verse number 8, he gave that promise. And so while they are assembled in the upper room, they appoint a man to follow after Judas, one of the disciples, had killed himself. And now they're going to man appoint a new man to to fill that role and to become a disciple. And so that was Matthias in chapter 1, verse number 26. 
So the event that uh, they had been anticipating, it's going to take place. And it takes place in the following chapter, in chapter number 2. And it's exciting what happens because they've been anticipating the arrival of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes and indwells the believers. And that is what happens in the beginning of chapter number 2. Now we really see the immediate results. The immediate results in verse 5 through 12 or 13 is that they begin to speak with other tongues. Men begin to understand their foreign language and tongue. And the men are being such impactful with with their gospel message. And Peter then stands up in verse number 14 because people are saying, these guys are drunk and what's going on? And and they're they're being controlled in other ways. And so Peter stands up. He explains what has just taken place. And then he implements the gospel message. And that's when we came to our text in verse number 36, where he says, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly, without any doubt, that the God hath made that same Jesus, whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. And so now great conviction is going to come upon them. And here's the impact. Two things I point out is, first of all, the impact of the gospel. In verse number 38, the results of the impact is going to come as Peter is preaching. In verse number 21, he preaches this gospel message and people were under great conviction. And it says in verse number 37 that they were pricked in their heart. The word pricked there is cut to the heart. And it gives us this idea of being sudden and unexpected. We come to church expecting to be fed. We come to church expecting and prayerfully looking for for God to bring conviction so that we might see growth and that we might see change. But these listeners were there hearing Peter preach and they were pricked in their heart. It was this sudden, unexpected cut to their heart that got a hold of their attention. Now, many of you may even remember back to that time when, when that first conviction came upon your life. And your eyes were open to the reality that you were lost and dying without Jesus Christ. You had not given your life to him. You were living life on your own. You were in control. And you realized a cut to the heart. It was a prick on your heart. The conviction came sudden, unexpectedly. And you knew immediately something had to happen. Something needed to change in your life. And that's where these individuals are. And so as they heard this message, they said, what should we do? And Peter brought them to a decision point. He simply says in verse number 38, repent. And this repentance means to change your mind. It's, it's to turn as an individual from your sins and to turn wholeheartedly to God. And really, it is to give your life completely to him. That's why we talk and preach that it is not just a, a, a simple prayer of acceptance that say, okay, God, I'll take, I'll take you. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind taking you. But it is more of a, a, a realization of your need of Jesus Christ that says, I turn from who I am to who I want to be, and I reject all that I'm a part of to follow only you. And it says, you will become my Lord, my master. I become your slave, your servant, and I will follow you. And he says, you will become my Lord and my Savior. Too often, we'll just take Jesus as our Savior and forget the very fact that we're turning away. No turning back to what we once were, but now turning completely to a new creation in Jesus Christ. 
A life that will be continually transformed. It's a new growth process. As a baby comes out of the womb, there is now a growth process that is continuing. And there is this new beginning of life in this world. And it has to be fed by somebody. It has to be nurtured by somebody. It has to be guided by somebody. It has to be corrected by somebody. In the same way with a new convert, when we became new in Jesus Christ, we needed to be poured into We were not left alone, but we were guided, we were taught, we were instructed, we were corrected, and we were shaped in that formation. And so here he says, repent. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, Paul wrote, And how ye turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. If you're here today and have never experienced this, this change in Jesus Christ, leaving your idols behind. You see, well, I'm not third world country. I'm not worshiping idols. But the idols of this world are the pleasures of our flesh. The idols of this world are the things that consume us, the outside distractions that take every part of our passion and heart and turn us to reject an almighty God. Those are the idols that are in our life. And Paul said you had to turn from those idols and, and seek after the one true God who gave his son Jesus Christ. And so today, if there's never been that time in your life, realize that all of us in here are sinners. We have that common bond of being sinners. There is none righteous, no, not one. But in the middle of all of that sin, there was a man named Jesus who stepped in and God extended such a love, a passion for mankind, for all of the world, that he gave his son Jesus Christ to be the sacrificial death for us. And when Jesus died on that cross, he took on all the sin of mankind and his own father, God the Father, had to turn his back on his son Jesus because he bore the sins of all the world. But then as he was giving up the ghost, his life, his body was lifeless. They took his body off of that cross and the proof of his death was that they buried him in a tomb, a borrowed tomb, for three days. Now, their end game was that this man was done. No more of this teaching, no more of this following, no more of this fad that's been going on. They thought they had defeated it. And when they placed that body of Jesus in the tomb, three days later, just as he had promised, just as it had been prophesied, Jesus came back to life with victory over death. And he had paid the price for our sin. And the beauty of it is today, You and I don't follow through with tradition of men nor functioning in traditions or religion. We are functioning in a personal relationship with our Savior, Jesus Christ. And it doesn't become a crutch for us to live. It becomes the very essence of who we are. It becomes every part of how we speak, how we act, how we think. It becomes how we live, not as this crutch to fall on, but a passion to live by. That's what Jesus does in a real, genuine, changed heart. And so you can experience that today. The free gift of salvation is offered for whoever, to all who will call upon the name of the Lord. Now, with this thought of salvation, this impact of the gospel, let me share a couple of thoughts about our vision for this year. When we think of our outreach ministry, we want our outreach ministry to be purposeful, productive, and often. We want it to become a natural part of our culture here at Highlands. Many of you have been quite actively involved in inviting people. 
Often we'll meet new people that are sitting in the pew because you have invited them. A neighbor who I met just today. Um, a friend, a co-worker who I've met before. A co-worker who sits on the second row because a co-worker invited him to church one day. And so I've often, I'm often meeting your friends, the people that you're invested in, the people that you're inviting. And we want a culture to continue to grow here at Highlands that we are excited about what God is doing at our church. And we want people to come and to sit with us and to worship with us and to experience God with us. A couple of those things that are pretty big for us this year is, of course, a focus on big days. We have Friend Day coming up on January 28th. We want you to grab some invite cards as you leave today. Be praying and asking God who you can invite to be a part of that Friend Day. There's also a week of renewal that is going on. We'll talk more about that in detail at the end of the service. We'll do a First Friday event, our Easter weekend with the candy hunt and our church services on that Sunday. There's the Red, White, and Kaboom event in Lakeland that we'll be participating in this year. First responder celebration in the fall, as well as our Veterans Day celebration. We're going to do some neighbor Sundays, a trunk or treat, and Christmas cookie exchange. All of this being very purposeful, with outreach in mind. Who is it that God will bring to our campus so that we can share the love of Jesus with? Now also some of these events are off the campus and are going straight into the community or into our own homes and uh, those are very crucial as well to be a part of. But another key area of our outreach is that this is the year, 2018, for Highlands Baptist Church to rebrand. Now, when we talk about rebranding, we're not just talking about a new logo, we're, uh, but we're talking about a name change. Now, why is that? Now, how many of you have had to, when you've invited somebody to come to Highlands Baptist Church, you have had to explain to them, no, we're not Highland Park on the corner. We're the smaller church by the nursing home. Huh? Nursing home? No, I don't. Okay. Um... We, Geneva Classical Academy on our property? Yeah, okay, I think I know. Okay, just south of the parkway. Ah, yes, I know where you're at. Okay. How many of you have had to go through that journey a bunch of times when you're talking to somebody about Highlands? I'll tell you what, if you haven't had to have that conversation, I don't know if you're inviting people to Highlands Baptist Church. Because the truth is, no matter who you talk to in the community, the word Highlands means Highland Park to them. Highland Park has made a, a place in this community. They've been actively involved for 25, 30 years, making an impact. And so when you talk about Highlands Baptist Church, they think we're the place that uh, does the Christmas light show. Or they think we're the place that's got the big sports complex that has sporting events every weekend. Or they think we're the place that does the big car show at Memorial Day. Or they always tell me, oh yeah, my grandmother sings in your choir. Or, or yeah, so-and-so does this and teaches a class. I've never seen that person before. And I see, I don't think that's us. So the why is really not a hard sell by any means. It has to change. It has to happen. If we are going to make an impact in our community, we have to cut ties with the word Highlands. Highlands Church of Christ, Highlands Church of God, Highlands City First Baptist Church or Highlands City Baptist Church, Highland Park Nazarene Church. It doesn't take much convincing to realize that Highlands Baptist Church, you say, well, we're different than the rest. Well, yes, we are. But when you're talking to a community individual, they don't see Highlands Baptist Church and think, oh, you're the Baptist Church. They just see the word Highlands and they get very confused. And so we need to make sure that this community mix-up can stop. 
It's poor marketing, and it's a lost identity. And the reality is in that in our day and age, if we're going to be actively involved in inviting people, we have to adapt and make the best possibility of clearly communicating who we are and where we are. Now, that means a new church name. It does not mean changing our core values. It does not mean changing our doctrine. It does not mean changing our beliefs. It simply means a new brand, a new name, and being able to make an impact in that way. So together, let's make an impact with the gospel. Tonight, we'll talk about a few more details about our outreach ministry, how we want to be more effective on our Saturday events each month, how we want to continue to make this a natural part of our culture here at Highlands. But in verse 41 and 42, I see, secondly, the impact of the next spiritual step. The impact of the next spiritual step was in 41. Now, now what has happened here is that Peter has said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Then he says in verse 41, or the Bible tells us, that they gladly received his word, and then they were baptized. The same were added unto them 3,000 souls. So the disciples helped the new converts take the next step of obedience. That was baptism. Now it says baptized here. This is simply an identification with Jesus Christ. It is not a step to salvation, nor is it a prerequisite for salvation. In our Discover Highlands class, lesson number two, we talk about our doctrines and we talk about baptism. And we look at verse number 38 of Acts 2 because this is the verse that is used too often with people that say baptism is a part of salvation. And they will read verse 38, and they will say that Peter said, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. But what we don't know by reading in the English translation is that the original language for the word for, F-O-R, is the word for because of. And so it would read that we are going to repent and be baptized because of the remission, the forgiveness of our sins, the removal of our sins. And so here it would be as if I said that he was put in jail for stealing. It's not to say that he was put into jail so that in order to steal, but because of stealing. And so here we know that Peter is not teaching in this that we have to have baptism with our repentance in order to be saved. We believe that baptism, based on the teaching of Scripture, is followed by salvation. And that it is done as a testimony, a public demonstration, a public testimony to all others that says, I want to be identified with Jesus Christ. Now, here's the other reality about baptism. Is that there is unfortunately too many people who have not made a big enough emphasis of baptism. They think, well, I was baptized as an infant. Or I was baptized as a child. Or I was baptized way back. And they will base so much on that, that baptism experience. And then it was years later that they realized that it was not that baptism experience that gave them forgiveness of sins and gave them their salvation hope. And they came to a place of realization and said, no, I'm not basing my eternal security on baptism. I need to repent of my sins and claim Jesus Christ as my very own Savior. And when that happens, then a transformation happens and you become a new life in Jesus Christ. And then you know what should happen is a public demonstration that I'm being identified with Jesus Christ. That's when baptism follows. And so many believers will try to pass over this this thought of identifying with Jesus Christ. It says, well, my mom and dad baptized me when I was an infant. 
Or my mom and dad said I was baptized when I was a kid. But then baptism is not a part of salvation. It follows after true conversion. And so we will emphasize baptism, not for salvation, but because of. And we want to help Christians that are neglecting this very first step of obedience and missing out on God's blessing in their life because they're not willing to take this step of obedience. We want to be a help to people. We want to continue to talk about it. We want to continue to preach about it. We want to continue to teach it so that people will see God's blessing pour out in their life by simply taking that one step of obedience and being baptized by immersion, identifying themselves in Jesus Christ. Also, I want to tell you a little bit about the Property Advancement Project. Tonight, we're going to redefine phase one as we have uh, been able to make a lot of progress within the last several months. Tonight, we're going to make sure that we clearly define how phase one is, is uh, falling into place. Uh, we are looking at February 5th, that first Monday in February, to start demo out in the lobby. And we'll begin with the ladies' restroom project. And so all of this is actively behind the scenes being talked about, being pursued. Contractors are involved giving us bids and information. The architect is involved. And so we've had good meetings with our leadership team. We've had a good meeting with our property advancement team. And so we'll give an update tonight about where we're at with that and how that's coming along quite well. Notice the modular building has been sitting out there for the last several weeks. And uh, that's been quite a process in getting that prepared and ready as there's a lot of inspections that have to take place with fire, electric, and plumbing. And now in order to get an occupancy uh, certificate, we still have to have one final inspection after the railings are put in on the ramp and on the steps. And then we'll have a company come in. We were getting quotes on a deep cleaning and floor uh, job done on the modular building. We had a company come in and look at it. Gave us a quote of $650, and at the end of the email said, our company would like to donate this service to your church. And uh, so we praise the Lord for that. Looking forward to their coming in and getting our building prepped and ready for moving in next week. Now, there was also this teaching that was taking place in verse number 42. 41 says that they, were, they received his word, they repented, they were baptized because of it, and then they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. This word doctrine is the teaching from the disciples, from the scriptures. They were being actively involved in, in leading people to a better understanding of a relationship with Jesus Christ. They gathered in community and people would listen and follow the preaching and teaching that the 12 apostles were giving based on not their opinion, but based on scriptures. That's why it says the apostles' doctrine not the apostles' opinions and not the apostles' soapboxes, but the apostles' doctrine, the teaching of the scriptures by which they were following and living by. They were teaching that to these new converts. We notice that doctrine is made a priority as we'll dissect this passage next week of verse 42 through 47 and see how important discipleship is in the early church. Paul would later write to Pastor Timothy and he would say, till I come, give attendance to reading to exhortation, to doctrine. He was speaking of reading in public as well as reading in private the scriptures. Also, he wrote that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, mature and complete, thoroughly, thoroughly furnished, equipped unto all good works. So the word of God is a, a priority. Highlands Baptist Church will continue to make it a key priority, the very foundation by which we govern and rule the ministry. The scriptures are our 
teaching element. It is what we want to pour into others. If anyone just wants to ramble on with their knowledge of their past and all their experiences, we're completely missing the boat. For you to give yourself in this time and in this slot, for you to open your heart and your ears, the responsibility of the preacher and speaker comes now that they would bring forth the message not of their own mind and heart, but the message that is sent from God. And so we want to make a priority of the teaching. We want everyone to experience every week worship, serving, and the connection of a small group, a connection class, a Sunday school class. Now, that's an important part of our vision this year. That's going to help, help us to evaluate how we are most effectively helping every one of us to be a part of a worship experience, to be a part of a service opportunity, and to be a part of a small group connection class where we're learning, applying, and growing. And so how can we do that? How can we do that when there's so many distractions and obstacles? How do we do that when there are uh, distractions within our own ministry? How do we do that when there are outside distractions that are taking our time and energy? And so we need to talk about some elements here. Let's work our way backwards. Small groups. With our small groups ministry, our connection classes, our Sunday school classes, we want to design summer electives. In the summer elective time, we want to be able to break up into topics we want to have a variety of topics of which we can choose from in order to learn, to be sharpened, to apply, and to be better because of. We also want to launch some new connection classes this year. Uh, we want to unify our curriculum. We want all the teachers to be on the same page. We want to know what's being taught and the direction that it's going. We want to be able to use it to support how we're all functioning on a week-to-week -week basis. We want our discipleship ministry to grow. We want, uh, we want more people to be involved in one-on-one -on -one discipleship, two-on-two -two discipleship. We want people to be poured into, and we want people pouring into others. This year, I'm really excited about launching our singles ministry. We'll hear more details about that tonight. But there are four colleges in Lakeland. 18 to 25-year-olds need a place to connect and to grow a place where they will find common ground, a place where they can dig into God's word, build relationships, and be better because of it. And so we'll be launching a singles ministry this coming year. Also, I'm really excited about this. We are going to be launching a Spanish ministry this year. We have 20,000 Hispanics in a five-mile radius. I spoke with a gentleman on Friday afternoon. He told me the startling reality is that 400,000 Puerto Ricans have moved into Florida since hurricane and hurricane season. And with those 400,000, they haven't all moved into Lakeland, but I'll tell you what, there are several who have. The gentleman I was speaking to on Friday, his name is Frank. Troy met him as well earlier last week. He just moved here recently from Puerto Rico. He brought his wife and his baby, and they have come to uh, Florida because of their health needs for their child. And so they're come, and they are uh, looking and eager to connect and be a part of this community. And I was talking to him about a Spanish Bible study, and his eyes lit up. And said that might be something that they would like to be a part of. His co-worker, Ingrid, was just around the, uh, uh, around the counter. And she said, do you need an interpreter? And I said, well, actually, we got that covered. But you must know both languages pretty well. She said, yeah. I said, I've got a Bible study just for you. And her eyes lit up and a big smile on her face. So we need to make sure that we are equipped as a church. How will we do that? We're going to start with a connection class for our Spanish ministry. Uh, for them to be able to hear in the Spanish language. Uh, a Bible study every week. Some of the service opportunities, that's our small groups for this year. 
also some of our service opportunities. Um, so we're working our way back. We want everybody to be a part of a small group where you're growing, you're connecting. Sometimes it's on Sunday morning. Sometimes it's on a Sunday night. Sometimes it's on a Wednesday night. Sometimes it's on a Tuesday morning. Sometimes it's on a Friday afternoon. Sometimes it's a Saturday morning. But we all have to be looking for ways that we can be a part of a small group that is purposeful, not chitter-chatter and sip on coffee, but purposeful that is going to dig in, to study, to apply, to learn, and to grow together. That's small group. Secondly, a serving. How do we take everybody and make sure that we're plugged into, if I'm going to certainly love people by being a part of ministry, how do I do that? So here at Highlands, we're going to continue to develop entry-level ministry teams by which you can be involved in. We want to give practical training for those ministry teams. We want to give accountability that will help you to be a part of that. We desire for all members, regular attenders, to be involved in using their spiritual gifts to serve others and to glorify God. There are going to be new opportunities this year for you to take how you've been equipped, how you've been shaped, and to use it for God's glory. And so we're looking forward to developing that. Now you say, well, I'm not a member at Highlands, and maybe I'm in transition, or maybe I'm not here all the time, but we have entry-level ministry roles. We have ways that you can be involved. Now, there's certain ministries that we're protected against you plugging into unless you're a member. But uh, there are plenty of opportunities, whether it's a first impression team or a security team or other areas that you can be involved in uh, with our hospitality team uh, at an entry level. Here's the last uh, thing that I wanted to talk about um, with our vision for this year. Is uh, in a pursuit to be proactive and not to be reactive, we have begun to look at expanding our Sunday morning service opportunities. And we're looking at launching potentially this fall two Sunday morning services. Now, this past year, we had a 27% increase of growth within our Sunday morning attendance. If we anticipate, again, another 27 to 35% growth in 2018, we will eventually run out of space. We'll run out of comfortable room. We're here now on a Sunday where we've got lower numbers today because of the flu bug. I counted about 20 people, 25 people that would normally be here who are out this week because they're just not feeling well. And so when you look at that, they would fill into some of these spaces. We begin to get to that 80% where we're capacity. So what we're looking at is expanding, expanding our opportunities. This would not happen right away. Uh, We would not throw this change on you without walking through the process together. There are a lot of questions that need to be asked. There are a lot of angles that need to be looked at, and we need to certainly do our due diligence to prepare ourselves for it, to pray through it, and to talk through this. I'm not exactly sure of the timeline. Um, The reason for two services is twofold. One, as I've already mentioned, is a space issue. As we continue to have this growth, we're thankful for that. And remember what I said at the very beginning? Growing churches are willing to be in transition. And so we have to always be willing to experiment. We always have to be proactive. We have to be serious about this. We can't come to ourselves one week and be like, wow, we've had two weeks in a row where there's just no more seats. You know what? Next week, let's just add another service. No, that's not doing due diligence. That's not seeking God's face on timing. That's not being proactive. That's being reactive. And so where will we put them? We want to uh, make sure that we plan accordingly for that. The second reason for two services is opportunity, an opportunity to reach more people with the gospel. 
It's an opportunity for people to choose a worship service because of their work schedule, because of their family schedule, because of obligations or responsibilities. Now, I know sometimes we would say, well, they just need to work that out on their own. If they miss it, they'll just have to catch up one day. But that's the church of yesterday. That's the church of 10, 15 years ago. The reality is, is we live in a culture that is busy. We live in a culture and an environment and a community of people that are on the go. Some people have work obligations. Some have family responsibilities. Some have other things that keep them from different time slots. And so by adding a second service, it's not solely just about numbers and space. It's more really actually about opportunity. We're unified in the very fact that as a church, we want to reach more people. We want to see more people in these pews. We want to see more people who need to hear about the love of Jesus. We want to see more people's lives who are changed by the power of the gospel. We are unified in that very thought. So then the question together becomes, how do we do that? And so the answer becomes, you add a second service in the morning for people to be able to choose a worship service, but also it's an opportunity for people to serve. Right now, we have people working in our nursery ministry, our primary church, our junior church. We have security walking around. We have security pointed within this service right now that they're watching all movement that's going on. We have people who are involved in music. We have people who are taking offering. We have people who are functioning in a lot of capacities while you and I are sitting here worshiping and learning together. And so a second service adds a new opportunity for you and me to take up the mantle, to rise up, to stand up and say, I will plug into God's church and I will be a part of ministering to people's needs. And so this opportunity for people to serve, it's also an opportunity for growth of people and expanding the impact of Highlands and the impact that we can make. Now, some of you would say, well, if we just get to a size, let's just build a new building. But nobody in here wants to go $3 million into debt. Nobody wants to go $2 million into debt. And so when we look at that, we say, no, that's not the answer. We want to use the square footage that God has already given us, and we want to maximize it to the glory of God. We want to say, God, you have equipped us, so allow us to be good stewards of that. What does that look like? What's the timeline? I don't know all those answers. We're going to talk about some of those ideas tonight and, uh, and we'll begin to walk you through how this process is going to happen because again, a lot of questions have to be asked. A lot of angles have to be looked at and a lot of things have to be planned through that process. Now it's going to be the same service for both. It will be two identical services. I know that may have been a question that comes into people's minds, uh, that, but it is going to be two identical services that happen just the same in the same format, in the same way. Again, the rebranding process is that we'll continue to stick with our core values, our doctrine, and our biblical principles by which we believe and function. So don't walk out of here thinking, rebranding, new look, new way, and two services, where are we headed? I'm giving you the confidence this morning that you can find great comfort in the fact that as your pastor, we are thoroughly praying through this, and we are not taking any steps forward without God's leading and a Holy Spirit peace. I promise you that. This does not come from something that I want to do or make a name for myself. This is something that I want God to truly make an impact in our community because of Highlands Baptist Church. For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall much be required. Martin Luther King Jr., he organized the huge march on Washington on August 28, 1963, where in his brilliant speech he said, I have a dream. He summoned the conscience of the nations before the judgment seat of morality. 
In January 1964, Time Magazine chose King as the Man of the Year, the first African-American so honored. Later that year, he became the youngest recipient of the Nobel Peace Prize. His speech, I Have a Dream, changed the expectations of the world. He gave this nation a new vision, a vision of future, and it was vital to the success of every living thing. If there is no vision, there is no purpose. If there is no purpose, there is no direction. If there is no direction, there is no joy. And this is a terrible way to live. No one ever accomplished anything without first having a vision. There really are no exceptions. Not one invention, not one artistic endeavor, not one building was built without first having a vision. A vision, a dream, a hope. It's the foundation of all accomplishment. So the church's impact at Highlands, it comes from the mission and vision that God gives us. And he always supplies the resources to accomplish it. And so Highlands Baptist, let's be like the early church. Let us too make an impact. Father, thank you for your guidance in our lives. I thank you for how you continue to build and shape your church. I thank you for vision. I thank you for dreams. I thank you for buy-in. I thank you for support. Lord, today has been a day where we have looked in the scriptures and we have seen some great truths of the early church, the impact they made with the gospel, the impact that they did in leading people to the next spiritual step. First, it was baptism. Next, it was study, discipleship, and grow. And so we too, we look forward to this year. How will you make a difference because of us? How will you use us? Lord, we're humbled by the very fact that when we look back at 2017, we were a part of a growing church, something that we cannot take for granted. For 80% of churches across the United States did not see one new convert in them. 80% of churches in the United States last year did not see one new member come a part of their church. So we don't take it for granted, dear God. We're just humbled by the very fact that you're using this ministry to make an impact in this community. So God, equip us, lead us, and use us in that way. Father, I pray today that you would help us all collectively to be unified around the vision, the purpose, the goals, that, Lord, we would stand firm and make an impact as the early church did. Use this time of application. Use this time of dedication so we may give an account before you as being a part of this church and taking steps forward. In Jesus' name, amen.